Welcome to The Morning Fix. We're really excited to have our first person on our show to talk about sustainability as it relates to manufacturing in the world where we live and work. And so today I'm pleased to introduce Sarah Carpenter, the Director of Corporate Responsibility at Ascent. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Sarah, we're thrilled to chat today as you're really our first sustainable manufacturing professional. And it's an interesting path. Give us the top three key moments or people in your career that's made an impact. Thank you. And and yeah, very happy to hear that I'm I'm the first because it's certainly a, a coveted um, seat. Um, maybe before diving into that question, I'm just going to take a quick step back just so your audience uh, you know, has a better understanding of my own context and why um, the moment that I'm about to share is so meaningful for me. Um, so every day I work with manufacturers across the world to help them gain deep visibility into their supply chains so that they can bring responsible products to the world. So I'm thinking really every day about the opportunities that our customers have to make an impact in the communities and the lives of supply chain workers. And so my top kind of moment, and I'll probably just stick to one because this this is one that really has been so instrumental to me in my career. Um, It came um, early in my career and it taught me again sort of the huge power um, that manufacturers have. I started my career, I was living in Bangladesh, so this is a country based in South Asia that has a very vibrant um, and important manufacturing sector. And I moved to Bangladesh shortly after the collapse, the 2013 collapse of Rana Plaza, which is the big garment factory that's building that went down and it killed over 1,100 workers. So it resulted in a staggering loss of life and prompted some really important conversations within the manufacturing sector on how to protect or better protect um, workplace safety and health issues uh, within the apparel sector and beyond. And so the work that I engaged in and supported um, uh, in Bangladesh, it led me to visiting um, a number of garment factories. And I quickly actually came to see um, the huge staggering difference uh, in working conditions between the garment factories that were producing goods for the international market. So they were selling goods to uh, international brands. And as such, they were subject to the compliance programs or the sustainability programs of those international brands. I visited those factories and I also visited a second category of factories, which were those factories which were just producing garments for the domestic market. And although they were subject to the same laws and enforcement mechanisms around those laws as the first category of factories, they generally were not subject to the compliance programs of their customers. Um, You know, these these programs would have been non-existent. And I can certainly tell you that the working conditions that I experienced, you know, uh, across those two categories of factories were enormously different. So it was within that category of factories that was producing for the local market where I saw, you know, uh, workforces that were almost entirely composed of children, um, where workers were subject to um, irreversible damage to their health um, because they were not granted access to very, very basic, you know, workplace safety and health um, protection and and equipment. Um, And while I don't want to imply, right, that the, you know, factories who were manufacturing 
for the international market that they were devoid of, you know, working condition uh, issues. Um, it certainly was, you know, not nearly at the scale that I saw with respect to those factories producing for the local market. So that for me was a real kind of pivotal moment, I guess, that has kind of anchored my career because what it taught me is the huge opportunity and immense power that businesses have when it comes to shaping the lives of workers and their supply chains, as well as the communities around those factories as well. That is a really amazing story. And I guess I wasn't aware, you know, there's a lot of companies now who are, you know, requiring safer working conditions, you know, in their suppliers' factories. But what I didn't realize is that there could be sort of two two worlds, right? The, the worlds where the Western um, suppliers are doing one thing, but then if they're manufacturing locally, they do another. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, that's. I mean, that that's absolutely um, the case of what what happens, especially in sectors where the opportunity for businesses to um, establish factories and start, you know, creating products. Maybe the barrier to entry isn't as significant. So, for instance, you know, this introduction came from the apparel sector, where the barrier to entry isn't as significant as it might be actually for some of your med device audience members where they might not see that same kind of parallel structure within uh, countries of factories who are just producing for the domestic market. Yeah, and that's actually a great segue. We wanted to know, you know, a little bit more about what med tech companies should consider as they're thinking through their ESG strategies and, you know, making sure that they've got suppliers that are working ethically. So maybe you could start by just explaining what ESG is. Um, Maybe not everybody knows that acronym. And then, you know, as the follow-up, just talk to us a little bit more about what med tech companies should consider when they're thinking through, you know, um, their strategy in that area. Yeah, of course. So ESG, it stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. Um, I use ESG interchangeably with sustainability. I mean, those two terms tend to differ depending on who who's speaking, but you know, I think they they can be used interchangeably. And certainly, sustainability is a is a term that I think you know most of us you know have an instinctive understanding of what it means. Um, of course, it's it's very broad in focus, right? It covers a, a whole gamut of topics, but certainly for the manufacturing space, you know, the topics that would be you know very material to that industry would include topics around climate impact, around pollution, let's say around working conditions in the supply chain, and even around you know the safety of of consumer products. Um, I'm really happy that that you mentioned the supply chain angle, right? Because you know, ESG is, you know, becoming uh, a business imperative and manufacturers really cannot do ESG. They cannot do sustainability if they aren't also managing their supply chain impacts. So if you think, for instance, specifically about the healthcare sector, it was estimated that I think it was 86 to 90 percent of the healthcare sector's environmental impact stems from the supply chain. So again, you can see how the impacts are just enormous in the context of supply chains, and supply chains really need to form a core component of businesses' sustainability programs. 
And it's because of the importance of supply chains, actually, that at Ascent, we commissioned a study to understand the state of ESG within the manufacturing sector, but with a specific focus on supply chains. Um, we surveyed a large number of businesses, and we came away with a few key takeaways. So the first one that I wanted to highlight is that we found, actually, that most manufacturers are in the early stages of their sustainability journeys as it pertains to their supply chain impacts. So most manufacturers are in the planning or the foundational stages of, of these uh, programs. But having said that, most manufacturers also expect to increase their investments within those programs in the next year. So really what that tells us is that businesses, yes, are in the early stages, but they're anticipating an acceleration in the near term. The second key theme that I wanted to highlight is that manufacturers, most manufacturers recognize that they are dependent on their suppliers to meet their ESG goals, which makes perfect sense, right, in view of what I just mentioned in relation to um, the importance or the prevalence of ESG impacts within the supply chain. But the sort of flip side of that, though, is that we found that most manufacturers have a low level of confidence and the capabilities of their suppliers to support them in meeting their ESG goals. So that tells us that there's a, you know, quite a bit of work up ahead to increase the capabilities of suppliers. The third key theme that I wanted to highlight in relation to that study is that most companies, and it comes to data, actually, and I should say data really is the linchpin of sustainability. You know, companies, they use data to understand their baseline you know, performance, to set goals, to assess progress over time, and importantly, to report on their programs and their progress to their stakeholders. And what this study found that was a bit worrying, actually, to see is that most companies don't have com uh, confidence in the quality and the accuracy of the supply chain data that is underpinning their ESG programs. Um, so that tells us, right, that for businesses who are now making business decisions based on their supply chain data, these important business decisions might not be made using accurate, reliable data. So again, kind of key message here really overall is there's a lot of momentum within the manufacturing space and certainly within the medical technology space as well when it comes to sustainability. But of course, there's a lot more work to be done. Thank you for providing that background, Sarah. Yes, it, it seems like there is there they've made some progress, but there's certainly uh, we have a a ways to go, especially within uh, the medical technology space. And I wanted to talk a little bit a little bit about. I was doing a little research, and it looked like the uh, the European Commission recently proposed a ban on products associated with forced labor. Thank goodness. I wanted to talk about this history a little bit, um, if the med tech industry was ever part of it and what can be done to mitigate further involvement. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that you're asking about, you know, regulations and legislation, because, again, I have to say, you know, I, I've been tracking sustainability and ESG over the course of my career, and I have never seen the legal and regulatory landscape evolve as quickly as it is evolving today. 
Um, uh, the number of actors who are, you know, proposing or enacting new laws and regulations is enormous, and the pace of that change is is staggering. So really, we're we're undergoing, from my perspective, a transformation when it comes to ESG laws and regulations. And the one that you mentioned is a really interesting and important one. So what it is, is it's a proposal, as you mentioned, from the EU um, that would ban products made with forced labor from being sold on the EU market. And if those products are found to be made using forced labor, um, businesses are required to then destroy those products. Um, so we can see clearly, right, how um, these policymakers are now starting to make ESG and sustainability a market access risk for companies. And we've actually already seen that happen within the United States. So in the middle of last year, um, a new law came into effect called the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. And what that does is it creates new market access risks for businesses who have supply chain links to a certain region of China where forced labor is prevalent. And since that law came into effect, thousands of shipments have been impacted. So these are businesses who are no longer able to sell their goods into the United States because of uh, links to that one region of China. And it's again having huge impact um, across industry, um, which is certainly being felt within the medical device industry as well. So in terms of kind of advice for businesses, I would say that especially in the context of emerging laws that relate to import bans and changes to trade rules, act now. <laughs> so businesses who are early movers and start understanding the risks of their supply chains and working with their suppliers to ensure that forced labor is not used and where that assurance is not possible to seek alternative sources for that supply, they have a huge early mover advantage. Because what we're seeing out of the US is many businesses, those businesses who can no longer get their products into the US market, they're now scrambling for alternative sources of those high risk goods. And it's a stiff competition for those high risk goods. So those businesses who saw the writing on the wall and had already done that work before the law came into effect, they're the ones who now have you know, preferential access to the US market and are reaping you know, major benefits from a revenue perspective because they haven't seen the same disruption within their supply chain as those who are just now getting started. Yeah, first mover advantage is a great thing, right? So we're hoping that more companies will, you know, realize that and get on board. And I think, you know, if, if you know, there's any silver linings to the COVID pandemic, you know, one of them was that I think the U.S. companies realized how dependent we are on, um, you know, suppliers, you know, many, many steps down the road um, from, you know, the initial manufacturer. And so, you know, hopefully they're thinking about it, you know, also from the ESG perspective. Um, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting is I, I was at a med device client last week and I had heard that they are going to start making a, a part of their product that was uh, previously disposable, they're going to make it um, reusable, you know, so that they can clean it and make it reusable. And so 
they had mentioned that that was because some pressure they were getting more from the EU than the US, um, uh, you know, where their products are available. And so I'm just wondering, do you feel like one region of the world is farther along and thinking through, um, you know, these different impacts on their supply chain um, and on their sustainability? Or do you think that the US and the EU are neck and neck in this race? Yeah, I think I think both jurisdictions are approaching sustainability a little bit differently, um, but I think the pressure across both jurisdictions are are enormous and they're and they're growing. So certainly, from like a legal and regulatory perspective, the EU is much more active on this topic than the U.S. But having said that, there's growing and real kind of market pressure that businesses are facing um, on the very same topics that the EU is now regulating. So for instance, in the past couple of years, we've seen investors really step forward and start engaging their portfolio companies in ways that they never had before um, on sustainability issues. Um, we're also seeing, and this I think would be very relevant to your audience and likely something that they've felt for many years now, is a public procurement body, so governments, right? Governments who are buying, you know, services and goods from companies, they are making sustainability a prerequisite for accessing and retaining contracts. And that's something that exists on both sides of, of the Atlantic. Um, and then, of course, we have consumer, you know, pressure and, and just broad market expectations that I think is fairly harmonized globally as well. Um, so while yes, I mean, certainly from a legal and regulatory perspective, I would say the EU is much more active. Um, uh, you know, if you look at those drivers as a whole, I think businesses, irrespective of where they're located, irrespective of where they're operating, they're facing enormous pressure to demonstrate um, their sustainability performance in order to meet the expectations of the market and their stakeholders. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, one more question specific to the med tech industry. You know, if there's one or two things that you would want, um, you know, sustainability professionals in the med tech world to know, like, what are those one or two things that they should, you know, be considering over the next year to two years as these pressures continue to mount? The, the key takeaways that I would, I would, you know, want to leave, certainly the first one is how important it is that the med tech industry treats their suppliers as ESG allies, right? So I think what our, our report has shown, right, again, is that businesses are dependent on their suppliers, but they have a low level of confidence in their suppliers' capabilities. And so that, for me, really speaks to the need for the med tech industry to be really thoughtful in who they're teaming up with from a service provider perspective so that they can be sure that their sustainability service provider um, is treating their and turning, transforming their, their suppliers into ESG allies. So what that would look like is, you know, ensuring that suppliers have been spoken to in the language that they speak, right? Ensuring that suppliers have access to educational resources um, to ensure that they are brought along the sustainability journey and are equipped and empowered to make the improvements that their customers expect. And it also, you know, relates to um, ensuring that suppliers are being engaged in a thoughtful way. I mean, I think one area that businesses often struggle with in the context of the supply chain is they don't always have a huge amount of leverage over their suppliers. And that leverage, of course, varies depending on the supplier relationship. And where the leverage isn't, you know, great, it presents 
puzzles for businesses in terms of how able they really are to drive improvements in ESG performance um, across their supply base. And so I think it's incumbent on businesses, again, to be really thoughtful in how they can increase that leverage. And one great way to do that is to use a platform that other medtech companies are using as well, so that you're speaking as one common voice. When you're assigning corrective actions, it's a common set of corrective actions, so suppliers have focus, and it's easier for them to prioritize. You know, when you're collecting data from suppliers, it's using a common data set, right, so that suppliers aren't overwhelmed with disparate data requests, and they're able to submit, you know, good data to their customers so that they can make, you know, thoughtful business decisions. So I think that would certainly be like, you know, one of my key takeaways from today is really to be thoughtful on the supplier piece. Ensure that you're working with a provider who offers technology, but also expertise and services um, so that your suppliers are treated as the ESG allies that they need to be um, uh, treated. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Sarah, thank you for uh, for all of your thoughts, and <laughs> this is a, quite a meaty topic and a critical topic. And I feel like we could talk about this for uh, you know forever. Um, but I appreciate your your presentation and and some of the thoughts on the challenges that we are experiencing as an industry um, and how we can over overcome it. So thank you for for um, for. Uh, meet, for speaking with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for the great questions. And, you know, it's always funny to end, you know, a rather serious conversation with something sort of light. Um, but we, but because we are on the morning fix by 510K Cafe, we would like to know, uh, what do you do for your morning fix? Well, that's a good question. Um, yeah, for, for me, it's, yeah, it's checking my family WhatsApp channel, actually. Um, so I, I live on uh, the opposite side of the world from my family. And so I love waking up and seeing what my three-year-old nephew has been up to while, while I've been sleeping. And it always gives me a, a great start to the day. Well, that's great. Well, again, Sarah, thank you so much. We wish you the best of luck in in your endeavors um, in this area of ESG, and we'll be following you and um, uh, stay in touch with us. And thank you again. Thank you. 